Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. My father's house shall be called what? A house of prayer. Boy, if ever the church, if my people who are called by my name. Now think about this. Remember when, remember when uh, Jesus was walking uh, past Bartimaeus in the Bible? Here's, here's Jesus with all of his healing power, all of his miracle power, all everything every person needs, and the Bible says he would have passed him by. But Bartimaeus cried out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, and the son of God stopped and said, bring him to me. You know, when you think about that, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. Now's the time to pray for America, pray for the world, pray for our government, pray for for uh, each other, pray for our businesses, because our God still is a God of signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. Before we pray, Tiz sends her love. She can't be here, obviously. She's doing fine. She's doing wonderful. Now, now she is a little bruised. She got kicked by a horse a couple days ago. And at least that's the story we're saying. Uh, but uh, she did get knocked down by a horse, but she's, she, you know, I, I, she climbed over the fence, got around the horses, and, and they all came up to, to see her, and one of them knocked her down, and one of them kind of kicked her, and so she sends her love. Uh, her health is phenomenal. Uh, she's doing great, but because she's still in the follow-up treatment, her immune system is way low, and so we have to be super, super careful. And that's why we ask that if you if you would wear a mask, uh, that's why they say, you know, the good thing about wearing masks is now you don't have to brush your teeth, <laughs> which some of you is not a stretch. No, no, no I'm just kidding. Our God is a miracle God. Lion and Tiz, we, we went on vacation we, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and Lion got to play in the dirt for the first time in his life, and he just sat there because he's cancer-free now. Boy, what a miracle God we serve, amen? What a miracle God. And whenever you see or hear of a miracle in someone else's life, what does that mean? means you're next. We overcome, we beat the devil by the blood of the lamb. Seven places Jesus shed his blood and the word of our testimony. Our God is no respecter of persons. I believe we need to pray for miracles on our lives and miracles on our country and miracles in the world. Lift your hands up with me. Say this out loud. Father, I declare you are almighty God. You are my God and my Savior, and I declare the anointing of God, the blessing of God, the power of God falls on me, my family, my church, my city, my state, my country, the world, and Israel. We declare we are more than conquerors in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a clap. Give your neighbor an air high five, an air high five. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning, all of you around the world. uh, Thank you for being with us. We want to continue talking about Bible prophecy. And I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to reread the scripture from last week. So if you'll open your Bibles up to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24, we're going to read a situation in the nation of Israel that is very similar to the situation that we are in in America and we're in in the the world. Now, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? There's no word for coincidence. My new book comes out on Bible prophecy uh, this Thursday, I believe it is, this Thursday, 
And I, I said this last week. I did the Jim Baker show on Thursday. On Tuesday, I'm doing uh, uh interview with uh, Marcus and Joni on Daystar. I'm doing Sid Roth next week, I think it is. And uh, I want everybody to know that I didn't look at what's happening uh, with the coronavirus and with the lawlessness in the streets and with everything that's going on and rush and write a book down real quick and get a book out so I can say, you know, we're dealing with Bible prophecy. I wrote this book and finished the book with charisma long before all this happened. What I was dealing with in this book, what I am dealing with this book is where are we on God's calendar because these signs, I believe in all my heart, are leading us to the greatest outpouring of God's spirit and power and anointing that the world has ever seen. Now, I believe that, but let me say this, and I'm probably not saying it correctly, and so God forgive me if I'm not saying it correctly. I don't believe what's going to happen in our near future is in God's hands. I believe it's in our hands. You say, well, everything's in God's hands. Yes, ultimately. But if my people are called by my name, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. So it's just like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was walking by. And I believe next week I'm going to do in the footprints of Jesus, another part of Bible prophecy. So I want you to read with me in 2 Samuel, just as the future of Israel was in their hands, I believe the future of America or all of our friends from around the world, I believe it's in our hands. And if we do what's right, it's going to be an amazing time. This is called rapture or revival. I really believe it's up to us. Read with me 2 Samuel chapter 24. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. Now, I, I may have said this last week, but let me explain something. We all know that when we read the Bible in English, we're losing a bit in translation, right? From Hebrew into English. When you look at this and it says the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. Now we know when David, and we're going to read this, when David numbered Israel, a curse came on them, a plague came on them. And we'll explain that again, like we did last week. But what's confusing here is he moved on David to do this. The question in Judaism is, who's he? Now we read it and we see a capital H. And so many scholars say he being God moved on David to number Israel so that a plague would come. The question is, is that, is he God or is it a small h, he the devil? Because God can tempt no man with evil. Are you with me? So let's bring that into the plague that we're facing worldwide. Is this a plague that came from China? Or is this a plague that comes from God. Either way, God knows about it. It didn't catch God by surprise, and all of a sudden God said, wow, what did China just do? So whether God has brought this plague to judge us because of the same reasons he judged Israel, or God allowed the plague to come, Either way, it is a sign from God to wake up. And the lesson that he teaches Israel is a lesson that we can learn so we can end up having the blessing of God. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen. All right. So, so a, a lot of people ask, have asked me this. I've got a lot of texts and a lot of emails from friends. And they said, Pastor, is this from God or is this from the devil? And the answer is yes. It's from the devil because God doesn't, God doesn't 
tempt man to do evil. But at the same time, God understood. If I stuck my finger in the electric socket and got electrocuted, did the electric company do this? Yes, in a way they did it because they're the ones that are providing the electricity, but I'm the one that put my finger in it. And so what God is saying is, is that these signs are a wake-up call for God to break the curse and bring the blessing. Now let's read. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundredfold more than there are. And may the eyes of the Lord, the king, see it. But why does my Lord, the king, desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. So Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. And they crossed over the Jordan, camped in Aror on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad toward Jazer. Then they came to Gilead, to the land of Tatim Hashim, and they came to Dan Gan and around Sidon, and they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went out to the south Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of, and, and I, I think we talked about this last week, right? Nine months and 20 days. And I'll explain that once again. Then Joab gave the son of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things, choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David, told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. Boy, that is so important for us to understand where we are with what's happening, with new elections coming up. We want to be in the hands of the Lord. We do not want to be in the hands of men and women that do not love God. I need a better amen than that. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning to the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough, now withstrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arnunah, the Jebusite, then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned, and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arnunah, the Jebusite, so David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arnunah looked and saw the king and his servants coming towards him. 
So Arunah went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arunah said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him, Look here are oxen for burnt sacrifice, threshing implements, and yokes of oxen for wood. All these things, O king, Arnonah has given to the king. And Arnonah said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arnonah, No, but I I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, now, I thought about hitting on this, and maybe I will. David, this is the second time David has said this, in which costs me nothing. In which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. How many like to have the plague withdrawn? Now, let me rehash very quickly what we taught last week, if I can remember what we taught. David is about to commit a great sin. And that great sin that David is about to commit is taking a census of how strong his kingdom is. Now, if you look at the scriptures, God tells David, he says, when you take a census, when you do it for my kingdom, Exodus uh, 30, I believe it is. He said, when you take a census for my kingdom, I want you to receive an offering for every person that is serving God, a half shekel. Now, I wasn't going to throw this in, and, but as I was reading that, I really feel that's important. God was angry with David, but God was also angry with the nation of Israel. And the reason why God was angry with the nation of Israel, as we talked last week, is Israel was going through the motions. They were being religious, but they really weren't serving God. So in Exodus chapter 30, I believe it is, when God tells David, when you take a census, or God God tells Moses, when you take a census, I want you to receive a half shekel offering. Now tie that in with the end of this when David realizes what he had done, and we'll explain that a little bit. And David says, as as the owner of the threshing floor says to David, if you're going to make sacrifice to God, here are the oxen, here's the wood, here's the land, I'm just giving it to you. And David says, I won't serve God in that which it costs me nothing. Now, if you remember when Israel went into Babylonian captivity, they went into 70 years of Babylonian captivity because they quit bringing their first fruits. They quit keeping Shemitah, keeping the land for uh, uh, every seven years, and they quit paying their tithes. In other words, they were saying, yes, we know God is God, but our land is rich, our herds are rich, our businesses are rich, and so they quit doing what God said to do to honor him and honor him by showing them an offering before the Lord. Now, I wonder if America is not the same way. And I wasn't going to say this, but I really feel like I need to bring this in. When David said, I will not serve God where it costs me nothing. In other words, they brought that when, when God went and said, here's one of my people, here's one of my people, here's one of me. Each one that was serving God brought a half shekel offering so that the kingdom of God could expand, so the temple could grow, so the priest could take care of the people. In America today, now I don't know what it's like around the rest of the world, but in America today, six to 7% of Christians tithe. See, I, I didn't get many amens in here. And I wonder, and, and I wasn't going to bring this in. It's not even in my notes. 
But as I'm reading that, I wonder if we, if, if our repentance before God and calling on God should not include, God, I'm not just going to go through the motions, but I'm going to be a part of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And all of a sudden we realize, you know what? We're making so much money and our jobs are doing good and our buildings are good and our business are good. You know what? We don't really need God anymore. Listen to me. That's a danger, not in Wall Street. That's a danger in the church. Can I have an amen? All right. So Israel, that wasn't in my notes. That's for you. You do with it what you want. But for me and my family, we're going to serve God. So David goes and counts the people. And as I said last week, he counts the people not to see how strong the kingdom of God is, but he counts the people for himself. And when he counts the people, he realizes this is not about the kingdom of God. This is about how strong I am. Now, skipping through all that we taught last week, and if you didn't get to hear it, please get the tapes because it was a great teaching. In, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? There's no word for coincidence. When you read When God gives the generations from Adam to Noah, there are 10 generations from Adam to Noah. When God gives the generations from Noah to Abraham, there are 10 generations. Without getting into detail, every generation is biblically 25 years when you're counting the people. In the names of the generation, it shows the generation from Adam of increasing in its godliness. And then when it gets close to Noah, there's a big turn in the curb and rapidly the names of those generations begin to show immorality and rebellion and lawlessness. The same thing from Noah after God rescued the world up to Abraham, the same thing. Now, history, and I said this last week, history says that empires in the world, great nations in the world, last approximately 250 years. Ten generations of 25 years. You look at the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, the Babylonian Empire, you can go on and on and on. These nations last approximately 250 years, exactly the way history says. Now, why is that important to us? And I said this all last week, but I'm getting somewhere. The reason that's important to us is because we are, as a nation in America, at 244 years. Now, the nations aren't exactly 250 years. It's somewhere around there. Because when does a nation really start? When does a nation collapse? But America is at 244 years. So are we at the brink of a great collapse? Or are we at the brink of a great revival? The question really lies with you and I. Now, let me show you something here real quick. And I didn't even realize what I was saying last week. When, I, when, when you read where David sent them out to take a census, the Bible specifically says he sent them out and it took nine months and 20 days. Nine months and 20 days, as we said last week, is a period of gestation. In other words, it's a time when something is about to be born. Something great is about to be birthed. Or something disastrous is about to be birthed. Now, let me say that again. A genera- or a nation usually lasts around 250 years. It in, is inclined and then a rapid decline. I mean, rapid decline. Over and over and over and over and over again. We've seen this happen. Then the Bible, in the midst of this teaching with David and Israel and them repenting, And David going and buying the threshing floor. And by the way, the threshing floor is the place where David erected the place of worship. Now, the third temple, or the the first two temples are the place of David's tabernacle. Interestingly, they've just rediscovered what they believe, they don't know 100% yet, but they believe is the original point of the tabernacle of David. I've stood there, I've stood in it, I've touched it, I've got a 
a rock from the altar that was there, they believe 100% or they believe about 90%. They believe they'll know 100% by the end of the year that this is where the tabernacle of David took place right next to the, to the temple. It's interesting when we're talking about the threshing floor and repenting and rebuilding a place of worship, let's say in my life, in your life, in America, and in the world, it's interesting that four or five days ago on the um, uh, anniversary of the first destruction of the temple and the second destruction of the temple, Jews were allowed up on the temple mound and for the first time since 1967 were allowed to wave an Israeli flag on the temple mound for the very first time. Guys, you can't make this stuff up. God is saying something powerful. But as you look at this and, and you look at all these things coming together and you look at where our nation is, The Bible says, why did God put this in there? That the census took, where God is counting, the census took nine months and 20 days. I was teaching this on the Jim Baker show the other day. We did it live from our studio to their studio. And as I was doing it, I could see Pastor Scott off camera and he's calculating. And when it was done, he said, Pastor, I was doing calculation of when the plague hit America, and we begin to shut down. Do you know the last live service we did before the shutdown was Purim? Where God says to Esther, for such a time as this, in the book of Esther, Esther is the only book in the Bible that does not mention the name of God. It looks like God is gone, but God is saying at such a time as this, he needs me to stand up. He needs you to stand up. He needs us to go before the kings of the world and not be afraid, but stand up for the kingdom of God. Because what did God say to Esther? God said to Esther, if you don't do this, don't think you'll escape. Well, I'm not going to say anything because it's not politically correct. Or I'm not going to say anything because... Don't you think as a business person or as a mom or a dad or as a preacher or as a pastor, don't you think if you shut up, you're not going to have a part of this. We're going to have a part of it one way or the other. But I want to be a part of being delivered, not part of Haman's noose. So I'm talking, I'm teaching this on Jim Baker. They were asking me, where do you think we are in Bible prophecy? And I was telling them about the 250 years. I was telling them about where we are at 244 years as our nation. I was telling them about the nine months and 20 days. Something is about to be birthed. And Pastor Scott's over there doing the calculation. And when we, when we took a break off a of camera, he said, do you realize that from the time the coronavirus became aware in America, nine months and 20 days, days, give or take, is the next presidential election. Somebody ought to say, wow. Guys, you can't make this up. This is, um, next week I'm going to do the birth pangs and the footsteps of the Messiah. You can't make this stuff up. Dr. Dobson, a few days ago in his speech said, this next election is the most important election since the Civil War. That we've got to stand up in the church and begin to say, here's what the Word of God says, and we will not settle for anything else. Somebody ought to shout amen. All right, now that's all from last week. Let me get into this week. The nine months and 20 days lead us up to election. When the Bible, when, when our nation was founded, and we were founded on separation of church and state, you've got to understand what that means. What that means, our founding fathers who built this as one nation under God, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Jesus Christ being our Lord and our Savior. This nation was founded. The greatness that caused it to excel was founded that we are one nation under God. And they came from Europe where the government was controlling what you could or could not say in the church. And so they wrote down... 
separation of church and state, the state has no business with what we say within the house of God. Oh, come on. I need a better amen than that. Now, in this series, we're going to talk about lawlessness. We're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about the second coming. We're going to talk about uh, the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about the Antichrist. And these things are right before us. But I want to talk this morning very quickly in the next few minutes about a few things that aren't quite as obvious to the casual viewer of the news. The first thing I want to talk about is our First Amendment, freedom of speech. Listen to what the New York, freedom of speech. This is, this is what America is built on. You can be as stupid as a fence post, but you have the right to say it. But when communism and dictatorship starts taking over, they begin to censor what people say. Listen to this. The First Amendment, 1788, quote, free exercise of religious worship cannot be canceled, abridged, restrained, or modified. That's what this nation, let me read again. That's in the Constitution of the United States of America. Free exercise of religious worship cannot be canceled, abridged, or restrained, or modified. James Madison drafted and said, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. One of the number one signs of socialism and communism and dictatorship is censorship. You've got to understand this. You can't say that. In Nevada, and I'm not going to talk about Democrats or Republicans. You've you got to be smart enough to figure out who's doing what. But in Nevada, the governor said, and we, I think we said this last week, or I talked about it on the television program, you can meet at the casinos. It's okay to gather around the crap tables, the gambling tables, the, the, the shows. You can meet in casinos, but you can't meet in church. It's the frog in the pan, folks. A couple years ago, they tried to pass that in Texas, out of Austin, where, where the, the, the mayor was saying the churches had to bring their sermons to her two weeks before they preached to see whether or not they were filled with hate speech. Listen to this. The New York Times said, free speech is killing us. We need government limiting and private companies controlling hate speech. New York Times. We need government and private companies. What private companies? Facebook? Twitter? Uh, Instagram? YouTube? You know, there was a group of doctors led by an African-American doctor out of Houston that got up and said, we have a cure for this. We have, we have medicine that if you put these three medicines together, none of us have gotten sick. Everybody's getting healed. And private companies took it upon themselves to edit that where you can't get it. What's hate speech? If... I say it is not right for a man to marry another man or a woman to marry another woman or it's not right to kill and abort babies. They can label that even though I'm quoting the Bible. They can if you allow it, they can label that hate speech and eliminate it from the church. 
How many believe lives do matter? How many believe lives do matter? Since 19, what is it, 1977, 60 million babies have been killed. How many people live in Dallas-Fort Worth? Seven million? Multiply Dallas-Fort Worth by 10. Every person in Dallas-Fort Worth by 10. And that's how many babies we're allowing to be killed. But if you say anything, that's hate speech. I'm sorry, my Bible says Adam and Eve. My Bible says a man shall not lay with a man and a woman not with a woman. I'm sorry, that's what the Bible says. But see, what's happening is, is it's not just that. It's what you're watching on the news. They're not reporting the news anymore. They're giving you their opinion. And we got to be aware of this. We've got to be aware of this. We're going to talk about in the next weeks to come, lawlessness. People without the laws of God. We're going to talk about the footprints of Jesus and the coming of the Lord. And these are birth pangs that are showing us we need to be ready. Let me, let me share, let me share one, one more. And I, I, there's so many things to talk about. But all of a sudden, you see Russia back in the news, and you see China back in the news. You've got to remember the Bible prophecies, and I'm just giving you a whole bunch of stuff. But you've got to remember the Bible prophecies concerning Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog is Russia and the leader of Russia. You've got to remember the prophecies concerning a 200 million man army that will come out of China and eventually be in Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. I've stood, I've stood right there. At, uh, many of you have stood with me at the ba- at where, where Armageddon will take place. Now, after the Cold War, many people thought that many people thought that Russia's gone. But just like people didn't think Israel would become a nation again. A lot of people thought Russia would not, Gog and Magog would not come back up. There's a scripture. I'm trying to give you a whole bunch of stuff before I get into the rapture and the second coming. There's a scripture that says, we'll begin to worship the creator or the creation rather than the creator. If you read the book of Revelations, and I'm thinking about doing some Wednesday nights on the book of Revelations, and you look at the rise of power in Europe that the book of Revelations talks about, the ten crowns, the ten horns, the ten heads, you look at that. How does that take place? China, in the last couple years, has become the number one user of energy in the world. They've, out, they've outdone us. China in the last few years has had to shut down periodically many of their factories because they don't have the energy to run them. The other hand, the only thing Russia has besides military might is oil and gas. China and Russia... The headlines in the newspaper, China and Russia merged together to build a pipeline. Germany is is going along. Denmark is going along. Uh, Pakistan is going along. India is going along. Turkey is going along. And they're all merging together to build this pipeline so that Russia, China controls the energy market of all of Europe. At the same time, America produces more energy, more gas and oil than anybody in the world. But we have certain political wannabes 
that want to shut our pipelines down. Now think about it. If we get the pipelines going, we are, in, we are independent. We don't need anybody's oil and gas. We are self-sufficient. Plus, it means 400 plus thousand jobs. 400,000 plus jobs for America. But one side says, what's 400,000 jobs and, and in, independence of Saudi Arabia or Russia or China? What's that compared to global warming? How many want food on your table? How many want electricity in your house? How many want gasoline for your cars? There is one side, the same side that doesn't want churches meeting. There is one side saying, we don't want that. There's another side saying, the churches can't be stopped. We're going to give them the right to say whatever they want to say. The reason I bring all that up is, the reason I bring that all up is, is once again, I don't believe it's in the hands of God. I believe it's in our hands. When you read the book of Revelations, and it's a very confusing book to read in the most part, you read about, and I'm going to close with this, you read about four kings that will rise up to power in the last days. The first king is the king in the north. There is, you look at the, at, at, at the globe, you look at the map, Who's north of Russia? China's east. Nobody's north of Russia. So the king of the north is Russia, Gog and Magog. The king of the south is Egypt, Arab, and the Islamic forces. The king of the east is China. Oh, by the way, China and Russia are working on what's now called, you can Google it when you get home, called what's now called the New Silk Road, where they're going to, how are you going to move 200 million military? They're working on a $900 billion, John, $900 billion road system that not only will go from Russia throughout uh, Europe, throughout the Arab countries, but also it'll go into Israel. So you have... The king of the north, which is Russia. You have the king of the south, which is Egypt and the Arab Islamic forces. You have the king of the east, which is China. And then you have the king of the west, which is America and the United Kingdom. So the Bible says that these four kings will end up coming together in power. And through this, will introduce the Antichrist. You see Russia all of a sudden rising up. You see China all of a sudden rising up. You see the Arab Islamic nations all of a sudden rising up. And you see America losing its power. But what they don't understand is, yes, there will be a king of the north. Maybe it's Putin. Yes, there will be a king of the east. Yes, it'll be China. There will be a king of the south. Yes, it will be the Islamic states. And there will be a king, perhaps the Antichrist, rising up out of America or or the United Nations. Yes, these kings will show themselves, and they are showing themselves. But what they don't understand is every one of these kings is about to meet the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I read the end of the book. We win. Somebody shout amen. Stand with me all over the building. How many understand if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray? We're living in times that if you look at the natural, if you look at it in the natural, it's scary times. But I believe that if we will pray and we will do what's right as Christians and Jews, If we will stand up for the word of God and stand up for each other. You know, think about, you know, think of, did you hear what happened in Boeing? Listen, you got to be aware of these things. Did you hear what happened in the Boeing 
the, the, the manufacturers of, of uh, airplanes and military and commercial airplanes, the gentleman who was the director of Boeing, the gentleman who was the director of Boeing, made a statement. He, he was a, he's a retired um, Navy fighter pilot, served our country, fought for our nation. 30 years ago, he made a statement and he said, I don't believe women should go into combat because they need to be protected, they need to be cherished, they need to be loved by the men who are out there and the men remembering that they're fighting for their wives and children back home. That was 30 years ago. They called that hate speech. Forced Boeing to fire this guy, ruin his life. Listen, if somebody says something about you, stand up for each other. Stand up for what's right. It's, it's, it's to the point, it's not whether it's right or wrong, it's whether they say it's right or wrong. And I know this is a strange message for the church. This is a different kind of message for the church. But you've got to understand what's happening out there. They said we can't pray. We can't pray in our schools anymore. We can't pray in our government offices anymore. But there are states that they allow through loudspeakers five times a day to call a prayer to Islam. You can't be silent. When I was doing the Jim Baker show the other day, Lori said, or one of the people on there said, Pastor, I love what you said in your book. You can't remain silent. You can't, you can't worry about, listen, the, 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 if you say something, the only people who have freedom of speech now is the ones who tell you what you can or can't say. And we can't let them bully us that way. We can't let them stop us. Listen, I love everybody. I don't care if you I don't care if you're a drug addict, you're out of prison, I don't care if you're gay, I don't care if you're a lesbian, a homosexual. Jesus Christ died for our sins and come unto me all you that are heavy laden in labor and I will give you the grace of God and the peace of God and the joy of God. When I came to the Lord the first time, I was a drug addict. I was a drug user. I was a drug dealer. I walked into that church a, a, a sinner. Then I walked out of that church by the grace of God, a child of God. Jesus said to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, none here, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you, but go and sin no more. That's not hate speech. If I'm going 100 miles an hour and the bridge is out, yell at me. Stop me from going there. Save my life. Amen. You got to quit listening to this junk that's on the news. I got up. I stopped watching uh, the like to the, ta- the the Today Show and Good Morning. I stopped watching it years ago. This morning, I got up and I was up early, and I realized, man, I got an extra half hour. And so I turned it on, and this guy's going, "Yeah, if it wasn't for President Trump doing this, or it wasn't for the, the this guy," and I'm and I'm going, you know, I haven't watched you guys in two years because of this. And all of a sudden, you're not giving the news. You're telling us what your opinion is. You can't let social media, you can't let the news tell you how to think. The only way that tells you how to think is by reading God's word. And what God's word says is the end. Somebody say amen. Dr. Dobson said this next election is the most important election since the Civil War. We started this series last week on revival or rapture. Next week I'm going to talk about hearing the footprints of Jesus. It's an amazing Hebrew teaching, hearing the footsteps of the Messiah. And that's what we're doing. But either those footsteps are going to signal a revival or they're going to signal the rapture. But we are hearing those footsteps. Without a shadow of a doubt, guys, listen, we're hearing it. I can remember, I don't know if I told you this or I said this on one of the interviews I've done this last week. But I remember years ago when we were, when we were in Portland, the Jewish community came and said, Would you gather congressmen and senators that you know that are Christians? And so I did. I gathered them together. And we had a meeting with the Jewish Federation. 
And they said, we want to give you Christians a word of warning. They're coming for you. And we know what that means. We've been there. They're coming for you. They said, you can't pray in public anymore. And the church said, okay. We're going to take the Ten Commandments down out of the schools. Yeah, how's that worked in our school system so far? Now they're saying we can't meet or you can't sing or you can't do this. And I understand being wise when it comes to the virus. I understand that. That's why I appreciate all you that are wearing a mask so that I I don't have to and I can go home to Tiz. And even though when I go in the garage, she sprays me and stuff. I understand all that. But you've got to understand is they have a plan. And their plan is to stop God from being in America. Look at Europe. Look look where Europe is. Rome. Less than 2% are Christians in Rome. The Roman Empire. We need to look at these things and realize God is saying something. But I love what it says at the end with David. He said, God, forgive us. And he bought the threshing floor. And that threshing floor is the very place that they built the tabernacle of David or the, third, or the first and second temple. That's what I believe God is getting ready to do. Let me close with this. When America was facing the American Revolution against England, all looked lost. But then God had men and women in the pulpit. They called them the black robes. England called them the black robes. That's where you get the word, the men of the cloth. They used to wear black. I'm wearing black. I didn't mean to do that. And... The men in the church rallied the church, and the church rallied the country. Later, they said in England, if it hadn't been for the Christians, we would still own America. In the Civil War, Lincoln was running against an opponent that wanted to separate the south so that there would be a slave state you could have the slave state and we'd have the free state and the church rose up and said slavery is an abomination in the eyes of god and the church rose up and made a stand against allowing slavery in the south history says that's the first spiritual awakening Civil War, it's the second spiritual awakening. And now the question is, are we ready for a third spiritual awakening? That we stand together as children of God. Male and female, young and old, white, black, brown, Asian, every color of the rainbow, that we stand together as children of God. One nation under God. One nation under God. Pastor, if you were to tie it down, where do you think we are? I think we're at the verge of the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. I believe we're at the verge of the greatest financial outpouring that the world has ever seen. Do you receive that this morning? You know, I, I went over this with Tiz, and I said, you know, this is some heavy stuff, and it's not the shouting and spitting and stomping. But when you look at this, and you look at the nine months, and you look at from when this started to the next election, we need to pray and say, God, who, 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 do, we, who do we stand for? Who do we stand with? Amen? Let me give a word. You guys, I didn't know you were going to be here today. As soon as I saw you, God spoke to me. As soon as I went back, God spoke to me. There is generational blessings. Not already already on your family. Are these all girls? 
I have some grandsons. <laughs> Generational blessings on your family. God is going to put his hand on each one of your children. And he's going to bless them and lead them, provide for them, and protect them. You get ready for the favor of God to be on your girls. Your, their best is yet to come. Amen. Jack, God gave me a word for you. Jack, how old are you? How old? Okay, don't, get, don't hand Jack the mic. Do not hand Jack. Do not hand Jack the mic. What, when did you get saved, Jack? When did you give your life to the Lord? Well, I was back my uncle. My uncle, he's a preacher. I gave it to him, but I've been re-saved when I got to this church. Amen. God spoke to me. I was, I was walking outside, and I saw you guys working at my house, and God spoke to me, and he said, because of the stand you've made at an at a at a later age in your life for the kingdom of God, God is going to things that have been God's going to restore the years and the blessings and the joy that the enemy has stolen. There's going to be more in your family. There is going to be multiplied blessing. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering, would you? Dan, there is, there is, there are going to be a domino effects of blessings in your business coming your way. A domino effects. This one's going to open this door. This one's going to open that door. You and your precious family are going to walk in the blessing of God that you could not even imagine. Because you have been a blessing to God. Get ready for God to be a blessing to you. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. I wish I could come and place my, my hands on you guys. Tex, grab your wife's hand there. It is so obvious that the favor of God is is on you guys in business the blessing of god but god is going to give you incredible wisdom in not only in business but in speaking to your friends and speaking to associates about the things of god there is it's going to be it's like an elder's wisdom coming on your text oh an elder's wisdom on you will say things to people concerning God's great love for them that will change their lives. And I hate to repeat this again, and it's going to be like a domino effect. You're going to say things into key people's lives that will affect thousands of lives. God's honoring you guys for your love for God. You watch what God's going to use you in. The wisdom of God as you've never seen before. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering one more time. I have two minutes. Who needs a healing here this morning? Need a healing? Need a healing? Need a healing? Need a healing? Raise your hand if you need a healing. My brother right there, right behind the lady with the green, what is it you need? Huh? Diabetes. Sugar diabetes. And what do you need, sweetheart? I, I had a, a CT scan, uh, and I, they didn't see anything, but now they're saying that I need to go to a urologist, but I'm believing there's nothing wrong with me. I'm healed. Amen. Amen. Agreement. Amen. Put your hand on each other. Who else needs a healing? Who else needs a healing? Anybody just anybody with cancer? Anybody with cancer? Who? Who with cancer? Okay. Lift diagnosed with cancer. Whenever you see or hear of a miracle in somebody else, what does it mean? It means you're next. Amen? It means you're next. Don't no 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 mic. We don't need, need, need a mic, JP. JP just got married last night. <laughs> as soon as this is all over we're going to take you and your precious bride out to dinner you're going to pay but we're going to take you anyway 
Lift your hands up if you need a healing. If you're watching around the world, if you need a healing. God did something in Lyon that no one has ever heard of before. God did something in Tiz. They they totally reversed the situation. Say this out loud. Father, in the name and by the blood of Jesus, I know that I'm healed. Stop right there. Owen, put your hand on your heart. God's going to touch your son-in-law right now. As as he's in Oregon, he's up in Oregon. Father, I bind the spirit of cancer. I bind the spirit of sugar diabetes. I bind the spirit of sickness and disease in every area. Father, you said, whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loosen on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Father, we receive this right now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people shouted, amen. Listen to me as we go. We're out of time. As we go. Our best is yet to come, but stand up and be counted. Stand up and stand up for the kingdom of God and the word of God. Stand up for each other. Stand up for unity. Stand up for peace. Stand up for the blessing of God. And as we stand up for each other, almighty God will stand up for us. Do you receive that? Amen.